It's amazing, I'm the reason Everybody fired up this evening I'm exhausted, barely breathing Holding on to what I believe in No matter what, you'll never take that from me Hey guys, and welcome to the very first episode of Draft Daily, where we're going in-depth on one prospect every day from now until the draft. I'm joined by a special, very special guest today, uh, one, one of my favorite guys to talk to on Twitter, just absolute QB guru, draft guru, uh, JR. How you doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to have you. I know we've been going back and forth about uh, Lamar Jackson a lot. Um, before we get into Lamar, why don't we talk about where the people can find you? Yeah, so you can find my work at climbingthepocket.com. I share a website with three other guys over there. You can find my draft content, um, specifically Viking stuff as well, and also at vikingterritory.com. Those are the two predominant websites that I write for right now. Awesome. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm real sorry that uh, the Vikings had to do you like that. That last week, I, uh, as a Jets fan who went to school in Philadelphia, you know, this is kind of my nightmare Super Bowl. Um, I was really rooting for you guys. So you got you guys let me down a little bit, but you know, here we are. And now it's draft season, man. No no more worrying about actual football. We're worried about the draft. So we're gonna talk about Lamar Jackson today, but before we get into him, if you could give us a little bit of background on in terms of what you look for in a quarterback. Yeah, so <laughs> Dan Hatman really put up a good tweet as far as what are 10 traits that you look for in a quarterback? And I thought it was a fantastic tweet. And just seeing the different answers that people had, it was really awesome just to see the different ideas that everybody had. So, of course, being a former quarterback, I had to take my stab at it. So the three biggest things that I look for, number one is confidence. If a quarterback is not confident, whether that's in the game, around his teammates, in practice, or just having a confident personality, I don't want any parts of them because confidence is the one thing that you have to have as a quarterback because your teammates feed off of it and the organization feeds off of it. And let's say you're in a late game situation and you're not confident. The teammate, your teammates are not going to be confident in you and confident as a whole to not be able to come back in that situation. So confidence is something that I really look for in a quarterback. The next biggest thing is accuracy because it's the one thing that you can't teach. It's, you can get better at it, but it very rarely happens. And I love accuracy because <laughs> I just love seeing those quarterbacks being able to fit those tight throws and tight windows because that's what a lot of evaluators like to see. Can he throw? We always hear the term throwing windows in the NFL and how they get so much tighter from, you know, from high school to college all the way up until the NFL. They get smaller. And accuracy is something that you just can't teach. And it's, I think it's a thing that you really have to possess as a quarterback. Um, the next thing is decision-making. I think that's absolutely the biggest trait that you have to have outside of those other two because it's that's what it all comes down to as far as, you know, what type of quarterback that you will be um, as far as will you be successful or will you not be successful depending on your decision-making and just the type of throws that you're able to make and the exact reads that you have while making those decisions. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with those three. Um it's really hard to disagree with any of them. The only, the next one I would add in is pocket presence. You know, your how comfortable you are in the pocket, um, how you can avoid the rush, how you, how you're willing to step up in pressure. You know, all that stuff, um, keeping your eyes downfield. Um, but yeah, I think leadership is something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, and you know, oftentimes leadership, like Baker Mayfield, and we're, we'll, I'll talk about him another time. But his leadership 
people get upset with because they take it as cockiness. Um, and but his, he's he's never a guy that you're gonna have to worry about uh, his confidence. And you know, I feel like the same with Lamar Jackson. When you see him on that football field, like he 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 feels like he's the best player out there, and he feels like he can tell you about it. I mean, I remember that Kentucky game where. He tried to run the dude over, and the dude wanted to fight, and he's like, all right, so we can fight. <laughs> there are not many quarterbacks that are going to do that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I think Lamar Jackson, from a person standpoint, is is someone I would feel comfortable leading my team. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about Lamar is that he's not an extrovert like Baker Mayfield is. He's not going to have those side antics or, you know, those rah-rah type of moments where he's, I don't want to say taunting the other team, but he's kind of poking his chest out to him. And that's something that Lamar really doesn't do. It's more of a, comp- a quiet, confident, and swagger with him. And he kind of just shows it with his play. That's the way Lamar shows his confidence and his comp- and his uh, swagger. Excuse me. Yeah, no, no, 100%. Like, for the most part, you're absolutely right. I just remember that Kentucky play. That, that always made me laugh because you never see that with quarterbacks. But the entire team was right there behind him. Like, they, they love that guy. It's pretty cool. And, I, you know, I just saw today that he raised $25,000 for – um, for for kids by signing autographs and gave all all that money away, which is kind of, which is really impressive to me. You know, a guy that hasn't really seen any money yet gets twenty five k and gives it all away. That's that's a pretty awesome thing. Um, you mentioned accuracy, and I think my biggest issue with Lamar Jackson, um, is he does have some accuracy issues at times, um, especially on his deep ball. It's something he's really improved on from year to year. I think his base, he he his strides can be too short and he can then use too much arm and overthrow the football. Um, but I, I think that when his, his mechanics are right, he's very accurate. So I think if he can fix his mechanics, he can be an accurate quarterback. What do you think about that? Yeah. And he has this thing where he's really stiff with his lead leg and that's his left leg. And it starts from Ashley when he gets the ball from shotgun, what you see a lot of times with Lamar Jackson is instead of his first initial step, is a false step with his left foot instead of stepping back with his right foot. And that's why I see a lot of times with those quick hitches or slants, he's late a lot of times because his footwork is just really bad right now. And that's why I say the team that drafts Lamar is really going to have to rebuild his footwork from the ground up because his base is really narrow, as you alluded to. And he gets really stiff with that lead leg when trying to push the ball down the field. And he's like Michael Vick. He just flicks the ball. He doesn't really throw it, and he doesn't use his torso. He doesn't put a lot of lower body strength into his throws, and that's what you see on why he's really inaccurate on those deep balls because it's just really a flick of the wrist as opposed to using proper mechanics and following through you know, with his fingertips to his hip pocket like you see with the Josh Rosen. So just those small mechanical flaws and tweaks will really help him improve his accuracy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I think you were saying before that accuracy is something that can't be fixed. If if accuracy is issues are being caused by mechanics, I think that is something that can be fixed. Um, yeah, and I think that's the uh, what a lot of people aren't really understanding about with Lamar. I don't think it's necessarily that he's just inaccurate. I think it's more of a mechanical flaw that's making him inaccurate. Yeah, because when his mechanics are right, I and mean, some of these passes, man, are just absurd. Um I mean, I, w- I was going over his tape again today to put up all those, those gifts on Twitter, and, like, he <laughs> he makes some throws that make you want to jump out of your seat. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite play of the year was it was against Carolina. They bring a corner blitz. He eludes the pressure from the corner, and he flicks the ball, like, 60 yards down the field on a dime for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, his ability to make uh, 
a free rusher miss or even one rusher miss is pretty amazing. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about running quarterbacks drop their eyes, but I, I feel like Lamar Jackson doesn't do that. Um, like, he knows that he can run and he can – He I think he's really going to use that running ability in the red zone and kind of become a terror in the NFL eventually. Um, but I think he does keep his eyes downfield. And one of the things that stood out to me was – I feel like he's very comfortable attacking zone coverage, which gets me excited because teams often run more zone coverage against running quarterbacks because they're trying to take away some of that running ability. Um, is that something you noticed at all? or? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're spot on as far as teams forcing Lamar Jackson to throw the ball in the NFL because they're not going to really rush guys up the field against him because they're scared of his legs, obviously. So what they're going to do is they're going to play zone coverage and dare him to throw the ball down the field. And I think he's capable of doing that, maybe not as consistently as other guys in this draft class. But if you just sit back and force Lamar to pick you apart, I think he is capable of doing that. That's not necessarily his game, but he has the capability of being able to do that. Now, where he does struggle is we're throwing outside of the numbers. That's his biggest struggle right now, and that's what you see those mechanical flaws and you see more of a flick of the wrist as opposed to him driving the ball with his lead leg. So I don't think Lamar is vastly inaccurate. Like his completion percentage does say, I think it's more of a mechanical thing with him. And I think if he gets with the proper QB coach, I think they'll be able to work that out of him. Yeah. I think Lamar Jackson is one of those guys that you kind of draft for his upside. Um, Cause you know, if, if every, if, if a team can get his footwork right, and get everything to click like he he could become a top five quarterback in the nfl because he can do things that no one else can do um absolutely so he just brings a totally different dynamic In in my eyes i think it's him and michael vick are the two best running prospects ever at the quarterback position yeah i'm with you i completely agree with that and you know he's a more developed passer than michael vick was coming out of college and vick went first overall yeah and i was actually having a discussion about this with somebody else and it just shows, like, <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but why well, was taking Michael Vick at number one okay, but now we're seeing all of these evaluators really just talk about Lamar Jackson's negatives. Is it, result, is it as a result of what happened during Vick's career? And maybe they're putting Lamar Jackson on an impossible pedestal with all of these, you know, wide receiver comparisons and just saying that he's too inaccurate because of what happened with Michael Vick's career or – are they just pointing out the bad games that he did have, you know, like in the bowl game against Mississippi State and LSU um, or even Clemson when he played them? So, I mean, I think he's kind of being evaluated unfairly right now because they're only pointing out his negatives. And we always hear a famous saying, Daniel Jeremiah always says this, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do or what he can improve on or what he does well. And that's what we're not seeing with Lamar right now. They're just pointing out his negatives and what he can't do. Yeah, and I mean, if we want to say that he's going to be Mike Vick on the Falcons, then he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. You know, like as long, yeah. as, he, as, long as he doesn't run a dogfighting <laughs> ring, then he's going to be a $100 million guy that is the number one, like, um, jersey seller in the NFL. So if I'm an NFL team, I'm like, I'm signing up for that tomorrow. So yeah. Absolutely. If he does end up having Michael Vick's career on the field, I think that would be considered a huge success. I don't understand the Robert Griffin comparisons. Um, especially I, the, the constant thing I hear, and I think it's just lazy, and you can tell me what you think, is uh, people question his ability to read a defense. Um, and Bobby Petrino's offense is real complex. Like, there's a ton of option routes. Um, 
as opposed to Baylor, which they basically run four routes and half the time two receivers don't go out. Yeah, and I know <laughs> I know you really hate the Baylor wide receivers and their blocking specifically. We've talked about that plenty of times. So I think it's a really lazy comp, like you said, because there was a lot of half-field re- reads in Baylor when Robert Griffin III was there. With Lamar, you see full-field reads and full-field progressions with him. Now, he's not asked to do it a ton, but I think he's able to make those full-field reads reads more consistently than what Robert Griffin III was asked to do. Bobby Petrino understand or understood that he had a below average offensive line. So he can't ask Lamar to sit back there and make full field read progressions time in and time out. So what he did was from time to time he did have, you know, one to two, two check down reads or couldn't have the field off for him because of that bad offensive line that they had. But when he did ask Lamar Jackson to scan the whole entire field, he was able to do that. Yeah, and you brought up that Clemson game earlier. I mean, I, I was I was watching the film again today, and you know he would snap the ball, and then all of a sudden three future first round picks are right there in his face. <laughs> like that makes it hard yeah. to have success. Um, and you know the LSU game last year and the Mississippi State game this year, like it it definitely shows that you know he's going to see speed on NFL defense. He's not going to be away able to run away from every single player. But you know he still had some big runs and still made some good plays in those games. Um, Yeah, and what you saw in those games, too, it was a result of a lot of drops as well. And among the big five quarterbacks, he or his receiving core had the most drops throughout the season. I think it was like 8.5% according to Pro Football Focus. So I think his completion percentage last year or this past season was 59%. And if you factor that in, obviously it'll hit that 60% threshold that a lot of NFL evaluators like to use from time to time. So. I think he really resulted from a lot of drops from his receiving core, and I think his completion percentage would at least be in that 64 to 65% range if they were more consistent catching the ball on the perimeter. Yeah, that Florida State game alone, I mean, they were, they were I think it was down one, and he threw a pass down the sideline, and it was dropped. And then the next drive, yeah. he threw a pass down the sideline for a touchdown. It was 50 yards on the money, dropped. Yeah. Like, and it was just like, this is, this is littered in his film. And people don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that impressed me, and, you know, I, I can't have a podcast about a quarterback and not mention Deshaun Watson. And I know that was <laughs> that was my, that's my boy. That's your boy. Um, Lamar, uh, sorry, Deshaun Watson, one of the things that I loved about him was he, he came to play in the fourth quarter, you know, or he came to play when the game was close. Um, and, you know, looking at Lamar Jackson's numbers, when he's trailing by one to seven, He's he was 124 for 193, which is a 65 percent completion percentage, for 1663 yards, 18 touchdowns, six interceptions, and 115 uh, NFL QB rating. So that that's that's to me says that you know when the game's tight, the guy the guy feels good and he's good in those situations. Yeah, and that's phenomenal. I actually never heard those splits until you posted them. I believe this morning it was so. And that comes back to the confidence and the poise that we talked about earlier on in this segment. It's just something that you can't teach. When times get tight and it gets in those crunch time moments, I think Mark Schofield put this up last year during draft season. Deshaun Watson throughout his career, he had 16 touchdowns and two interceptions when trailing in the fourth quarter. So hearing those splits about Lamar is really encouraging, especially a lot of people are saying he's not a quarterback for whatever. He's not a quarterback for whatever reason. The, the only reason I appreciate people saying that he's not a quarterback is because now I know that I no longer need to value their opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the biggest thing I don't understand about that is he's been the most dynamic college football player the last two years. If you move him to another position, you're taking touches away from him as opposed to when he's at quarterback where he's touching the ball every single play. So why would you want to take the ball out of your playmaker's hand? And also you're moving him to a position that he's never played before. And people are just assuming that receiver is just so easy to learn. It takes years to learn that. And why are you taking him away from quarterback what he's been practicing and playing since he was little? That's I listen. I don't have the other side. I don't know the other side of that argument because I don't get it. So I'm I'm 100 with you. And like one of the things I talk about with NFL receivers is it takes them three years to adjust to the game. You you really need three years to judge a receiver um, because it's it's complex. It takes them a long time. So completely switching positions like that's. The, the hit rate of that's got to be pretty low. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's a statement that I don't understand, especially big media guys are making it. I really don't understand why they're saying that. Yeah, shout out to Mel Kuyper. Um, <laughs> now, now, before I let you go, um, I, I got I got two more questions for you, Lamar Jackson. One, because uh, I, I, I think we both agree that kind of like his working comparison is Mike Vick right now because it's, it's the only really guy that's ever had his skill set. Um, but what round do you see him going in? And what team, like if you could pick any team in the NFL for him to go to, uh, who would it be? Well, it's probably going to be a situation where he goes in the back half of the first round. And I compare it to a Teddy Bridgewater-like situation where a team trades up or a contender in the back half of the first round selects him um talk about a team like buffalo i think they have the 22nd or 23rd pick or a combination of both um i don't think they'll go for him because he's so similar to tyrod as far as a skill set standpoint and it seems like they want nothing to do with his skill set anymore in buffalo then you get to new orleans new orleans pittsburgh and jacksonville at 27 28 and 29 i think any of those spots will be good for him and then we talk about minnesota at 30 I think that would be a great spot for him because they have no quarterbacks on the roster for next season. And then we have New England at 31 or 32. So I think contender at the back half of the first round would be good for him. Now, my top spot for him before they fired John Morton was the Jets. Yeah, I know. Because I thought that would be a great combination for him because the offense that Morton runs is perfect for his skill sets. And a lot of the concepts that he does run is similar to Petrino especially those air raid concepts that he does mix in with his spread concepts would be really good for Lamar Jackson. But, you know, Morton's gone now. So <laughs> the Jets were my top choice for him. So that's I think the, it will be. That's the, the role of being a Jets fan, though. We're not allowed to have nice things. You know, we have a, we have a, a coordinator that comes in and their offense looks confident with Josh McCown. And we're like, well, that wasn't fun. So we're doing something new. Um, don't, don't you dare put Lamar Jackson to the Patriots out there in the universe. That is not allowed to happen. <laughs> Um, Man, that would be scary. I uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on your different possibilities. I I would be interested to see if the Saints could do uh, come up with um, something and and get Lamar and he kind of be Drew Brees' heir apparent. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Sean Payton, and just honestly, the idea of Alvin Kamara and Lamar Jackson on the same football team just makes me excited as a football fan. Yeah. Along with Michael Thomas as well. Yeah. That would be Yeah, that would be, be must-see TV every Sunday. Yeah, that would be crazy. Well, JR, I really appreciate you coming out and talking some Lamar Jackson with us. Um, why don't you remind the people one more time where they can find you? 
Yeah, you can find my work at vikingterritory.com, also at climbingthepocket.com. Also find me on Twitter at jreedraftscout. That's at J-R-E-I-D, draftscout. Thanks again for joining us, guys. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Bryson Vesnar of Pro Football Focus to talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DraftDailyPod. Um, we'll be on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Please subscribe and leave us a rating. Thanks, guys. Human beings in a mind. What's a mind to a king? What's a king to a king?